Please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been giving a little bit of a reformed theology of this uh, sacrament, and I think this passage gives a very vivid um, representation of the resurrection power that uh, we experience in this meal. I'm just going to read the first four verses. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And I'm just going to focus on what the fathers ate and drank in verses 3 through 4, and I'm not going to be able to cover everything that these verses teach, but I do want to give you kind of a bird's-eye view of some of the key uh, things that were brought out uh, by Calvin and some of the other reformers here. And the first thing I want you to notice is that the communion meals of the Old Testament were essentially the same in meaning and power as the Lord's table. And the chapter goes on to demonstrate it's not just those meals, but all of the sacramental meals in the Old Testament uh, form the foundation for the meal that uh, he is going to be describing, uh, the Lord's table in chapters 10 and 11. And so whatever grace that we experience in abundance in the New Testament, they had at least in some measure in the Old Testament. Now, Roman Catholics have done their utmost to explain away these two verses because they really do undermine the doctrine of the Mass that speaks of the physical presence of Christ in this uh, sacrament. And there is a couple of ways that they try to get around these two verses. The first is to say, well, spiritual doesn't really mean spiritual. It means miraculous. They had miraculous food. Well, it's true that they did have miraculous food, but it still doesn't explain why verse 4 says that they ate and they drank of Jesus just as much as we do. Uh, others say that they had the same food and drink as each other, but not the same food and drink as we have. Uh, but that misses out the fact that all of these verses are comparing and contrasting what they did and what we, uh, what we do. They, their blessings and our blessings, their uh, judgments and our uh, judgments. So I think it's very, very clear that they ate the same spiritual food, they drank the same spiritual drink that we do. Now, the second thing to notice is that it is a spiritual eating and drinking of Jesus, not a carnal eating of his flesh and blood. If there was a literal eating of flesh and blood, then it's pretty hard to describe in any way how it's the same food, the same drink that they partook of and that we partake of. And not even Roman Catholics will say that they partook of Christ's flesh in the Old Testament because it would be a flat-out denial of the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think this is a fantastic uh, proof text to oppose both the Baptist memorial view that says there's nothing really going on, it's a memorial of what happened back then because it says we really do partake of Jesus. We really do eat and drink of him, but it also opposes the Roman mass, the physical presence of his body, by saying, no, we are spiritually eating and drinking. But let's look at the miraculous side of this. Uh, the historical context is that the Jews 
had run out of water, and they were grumbling, and uh, Rodney uh, brought out some wonderful lessons from the Old Testament passages there uh, concerning uh, their, their grumbling and their complaining. Well, God had Moses strike the rock, and the, the Psalms call it a flinty rock. In other words, there's no way you're going to be able to explain this on naturalistic uh, basis. He struck this flinty rock, and out of that rock poured so much water, it was able to provide for all of the needs of millions of Jews and all of their cattle as well. And then when they later took the, some of that water and some of that manna, and they partook of it in the communion, it was an acknowledgement that all of their life flowed from God's supernatural provision. Um, and uh, God intended it to be a very... Uh, vivid reminder of the fact that they could only spiritually live as they by faith spiritually partook of him. In the song of Moses, God calls himself the rock five times, and then the rock is mentioned nine times total, but he calls himself Jehovah is that rock who followed them. Jehovah provided the manna and the water. Now what's so significant is that Paul here says Jesus did that. So, the implication is that Jesus is Jehovah. If Jehovah is the rock that was struck in the Old Testament, and Paul says Jesus was the rock that was struck in the Old Testament, this is a fantastic proof text for Jehovah's Witnesses to show that Jesus was indeed divine, that he was a God. And... Um, uh, uh, the only way that we can partake of spiritual refreshment is uh, through the Lord Jesus. Uh, next, the rock had to be struck before waters would come forth, just as Jesus had to be struck on the cross by the penalty of our sins before we can find spiritual refreshment. Now, God had a man strike that rock, Moses, just as we humans put Christ to death uh, by our sins. Uh, there's also more here. The waters that flowed out of the rock represent or symbolize the Holy Spirit. So that means it's not just the rock that is Jehovah, the waters are, are symbolize Jehovah as well. And uh, that teaches us that the only way we can experience the powerful, refreshing ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives is again through Jesus. And here's how he worded it in John 7. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So it was Jesus' death that enabled the giving of the Holy Spirit. Now that immediately raises a question. If the Holy Spirit could not be given until Jesus was crucified, well, how did they partake of the same spiritual food, drink of the same spiritual drink? How did they partake of the Holy Spirit? How did they uh, partake of Christ? You know, the crucifixion hadn't happened. Pentecost hadn't happened yet. And the answer is that in God's eternal decrees, it was as good as done. The way the uh, book of Revelation words it is that Jesus was the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. 
So they were able to at least provisionally partake of the Holy Spirit based on the fact that God's decrees are going to happen no matter what. And so they are as good as done. We in abundance partake because it has historically been done. So this Old Testament image really is amazing. Uh, It's a Trinitarian um, meal that we are partaking of. And it's symbolized by the fact that the Father commands Jesus to be smitten so that we can have the Spirit. All three members of the Trinity are involved in our partaking of the rock. So this morning as we come to the Lord's table, let's um, rejoice that the, this, the triune God has conspired together to bless us uh, in the Father's eternal decree. Really, uh, that's what we call the, the, the covenant of redemption before the foundation of the world, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They conspired together. They entered into a covenant together to provide our blessing. And then secondly, let's rejoice that Jesus was willing to be struck. In Deuteronomy 32, it words it that he, as a result of being struck, he becomes the rock of nourishment, the rock of shelter, the rock of our salvation, and our foundation all by being struck. So you can praise the Lord Jesus for being struck. And then third, praise him for promising his Holy Spirit in abundance to those who will drink of him in faith. It doesn't, it's not just for super Christians that they have the ability to drink of, the Holy, of Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit, and have the Holy Spirit flow out of our innermost being. No, he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So rejoice in the pledge that the Lord gives of the overflow, the abundance, all of the provision that we need of the Holy Spirit if we drink of Jesus in this meal. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for all that you did for our salvation, that from eternity past to eternity future, we are secure in your plan and in your grace. And I pray that as we celebrate uh, that gospel provision in this sacrament this morning, that uh, we truly would drink of Jesus, and as a result of drinking of Jesus, we would receive your Holy Spirit in fullness, a fullness for ministry in this coming week that out of our innermost being would flow those rivers of living water. And so we pray for you to uh, anoint us, fill us, empower us, that you would set aside these common elements to a holy use. You would be glorified in our partaking. In Jesus' name, amen.